Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. everyone, it's Felicia. I have a beautiful interview for you today with Leslie Alder. She is a coach who helps us calm the mental and physical chaos and clutter in our lives. And we had some really cool breakthrough moments talking about our mindset and the stories we tell ourselves about our things and the overwhelming pressure we feel to consume and have things be a certain way and something I love that she says is what if your possessions were the least interesting thing about you and I think this is a challenge that all of us can take into our hearts and see if we can adjust some things in our day-to-day to help us live more and be more present with the people and the lives we're actually living Before we dive in, I wanted to share that we have a member of our community, a beautiful mother who has a young child who is struggling with an autoimmune diagnosis. She has reached out and asking for help to share her fundraiser for his medical bills, which are mostly out of pocket. We're going to link that GoFundMe if our show notes, if you feel inclined, and if you can't financially support, if you can share the link maybe this episode, um, and mentioning her story, it would mean so much. All right, I hope you enjoy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, we have a surprise for you. You know we are huge proponents of Gab devices, both their phones and their watches. We wholeheartedly endorse safe screen time for our kids and we truly believe that is a problem that we can solve as parents through being diligent about protecting our kids when they are on screens. And Gab makes this so easy. Uh, It allows us to give our kids the freedom of having phone or communications with their friends without any of the worry. And right now with code FINDTHEMAGIC, you can receive $25 off any new device. So head on over to gab.com forward slash find the magic. That's G-A-B-B dot com forward slash find the magic to get $25 off any new device with Gab.
Okay. Hey, Leslie, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. So good. Um, so I, I saw your message and, and you said that you were at home sick with kids today. Yes. Kids at home, not you sick. Yes, I'm fine. Kids okay. at home. Two of the four. This out, out here for our listeners, you have young kids, their ages seven to one, and you have four kids, which is, I know, per- firsthand hard. So tell me your tips and tricks for when all of a sudden you have sick kids at home. What do you do to kind of work your schedule to make room for that? So conveniently, I don't know if your kids are like this. My kids always just get sick at nights and on weekends, you know, like when the doctor's office is closed. So (laughs) it actually works pretty well schedule wise because they usually get it like Friday night, Saturday night, and then we're just out all weekend. And that usually turns into like a Monday, sometimes a Tuesday. Um, Mm -hmm. But kind of my approach is like, I just become like the best mom in the world. Like the mom I always thought I would be like movies for everybody, free drinks, popsicles all around. And we just like, I drop all expectations. And I just, I mean, of course there's some things in your schedule that you can't drop, but if it can be dropped, I just drop it. Mm -hmm. And it's, I actually kind of love it. I mean, it's miserable because you're cleaning up puke all night long, but it's just kind of a nice way for us to reset and remember like, okay, what's actually really important. It's connection and our relationships and so yeah, I just just throw everything out the window basically. Embrace the sickness. I I feel like that is a good lesson to learn as a parent, embracing the sickness. We've actually we've talked about that on a couple episodes how when you have a kid that's throwing up throughout the night or like really sick where you don't really get to sleep, even it is miserable, but sometimes um we've had like almost like meditative experiences when you're trying to like go through, you know, in the daytime, yeah, it's like movies and pop schools all around. Mm -hmm. I'm the same as you. And then sometimes that in the nighttime, I'm like, whoa, this is a really cool experience that I get to like do this caring for someone in this way. It's like sometimes really magical. It's crazy. It's sort of like going back to that early, early newborn stage, but now you're kid Mm -hmm. seven instead of baby. Yeah. And I actually end up doing a lot of mental work too, because like last night, for example, this is our second night of a long night of sickness. And it was like almost every hour on the hour. And so I'd have so much anxiety in between because I'm like, okay, he has it for sure. The other kids are going to get it any second now. And so my brain's just already trying to prepare me for like, like, it's just going to be a in and out revolving door all night. And turns out none of my other kids have gotten it yet. It was just him, which is still not helping my anxiety, but it was really good for me to practice like managing that and coming back to the present. Right now, everything's fine. He's asleep. Everyone else is asleep. That could change. But right now in this present moment, you are okay. Your kids are okay. If something does happen, you're going to totally know what to do in that moment. But for now, you can't possibly predict what's going to happen. So it doesn't help you to try to solve for it ahead of time when you don't, you don't even have all the variables yet. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. You brought up the anxiety piece. Um, Definitely of like the mental states, I lean towards anxiety. And it's interesting how it's not necessarily like the situation that, that causes it, like any situation can cause that to manifest. And it really is, for me, like physically, it's like the really, the breasts that bring you into the present moment 
But then also what you're saying, if you, there's a lot of times where if I really look at this situation, it's like, okay, I'm snowballing. I'm creating more of a problem mm-hmm. than there actually is. And I don't know. So that, yeah, that's a really good, good way to think about it. Um, so you guys are in New Zealand right now. We are. Yes. It is actually a day ahead of you. Yes. It's crazy. As, as we were setting up this interview, we're both trying to figure out time zones, but so I have to hear more about New Zealand, what area you're in, um, why you guys decided to go there. We, as you know, right now in our podcast listeners know our little family is kind of on a adventure type situation like you guys in Florida, but we want to, now we've got the bug. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot more places we want to go and things we want to do. And Australia is the top of our list. So we must, I must hear more. We need the details. What, what made you guys decide to move there? And also this, this leads into why we have Leslie here in the first place is, um, her ideas around things that are sucking our time and energy and causing us overwhelm in motherhood. So that's a lot. Pick and choose whatever you want to talk about in that. (laughs) Yeah. So New Zealand's kind of always been in our radar. Um, We're really big outdoors people. We love going on hikes and just being in nature. We're not quite as hardcore as like, let's go camping on a three day. Well, a lot of people are here. They like have these huts and you just pack everything up for four days and just straight out. It's crazy. We're not quite that level outdoorsy, but we do appreciate the, appreciate the outdoors. Um, so New Zealand's been on our list for a while. We actually had tickets just to come and visit in 2020, but then obviously pandemic put a hard cancel on those plans. Um, and New Zealand actually took a really long time to reopen. So they didn't reopen their borders until spring of 2022. And so we had just watching the whole time. And when they finally opened, we were like, you know what, let's just do it. Like, let's just shoot our shot and let's change them from round trip tickets to um, one way tickets. And in between the time of us trying to plan our trip versus moving there, we also had two more kids. So we (laughs) shuffled all the flights around. Um, My husband was able to interview a long distance and find a job here. And Mm -hmm. so we moved here in July of 2022. Mm-hmm. And one it like we were able to do that in part because I am sort of like this wannabe minimalist where I'm constantly just trying to make things more efficient and make things more simpler because I mean, we all just went through a pandemic, but also like more kids are adding to our families all the time. And it's there's some consistency, but there's also so much change in our family dynamic. And I knew that I wanted my focus to be on the family dynamics. And not so much all of the things and the stuff in the background. So every time I had a new kid, every time we moved to a new place, um, I would just sort of reevaluate and reassess everything and try to organize everything again and get everything systemized. So in the past eight years of us having kids, we've lived in six different homes, everything from a little tiny apartment to a two-story rental home. Um, And I've just done this process every time we've moved into a new place so that I can have more mental space and the physical space to actually live. Mm, I love that. And I think so many of our listeners have this aspiration or have this desire to live more simply, but either they haven't thought about it. I think there's a, 
a, a lot of the times we are living in a way that is causing us stress and overwhelm, but we don't even know that we could be making these changes. Do you do you see that more when you're helping people, people or do you see more that people want to make changes, they're inspired to, but they don't really know where to start? Yeah, I, I honestly, I see a little bit of both. I don't know if I've ever thought of trying to quantify like which has more people in either camp. Um, I think it has a lot to do with their personalities. So for some of the people I work with who are just like, you know, very laid back and let's just go with the flow, very spontaneous, it doesn't bother them as much if they have more things in their house or more to take care of because like they're fine with just spitting on a dime and changing plans. Um, but for people with more kind of, I know personalities like me who like to have more control and more consistency and know what to expect. Um, they come to me wanting to simplify. So I think it really connects to what type of the personality they have and also what their experience has been. So part of my lived experience is that I grew up as a military kid. And so we moved every two years. And so I watched my parents go through the process of reassessing everything and moving and downsizing and then doing it again, like every two to three years. So that's just sort of the way that I operate in life. Um, whereas other people may have been born and raised in the same house, still have their childhood home that they go home to, all of their things still there. Um, so it really depends on what their personality has been and what their experience of life has been. Okay, I have a trick question. Okay. Listen to my personality. I have a serious problem because I'm like a mix. And so this is something that my my brain, like my psyche, I've been trying to wrap my head around with our family is that I'm a very kind of like go with the flow, laid back, throw dinner together. I never meal plan personality. But then mm -hmm. I also have extreme heightened sensitivity to surroundings. Mm -hmm. And so it, like I'm not laid back in the sense of if things are like cluttered or out of place or there's a lot of visual clutter. And so yeah. I find that I sabotage myself. <laughs> my systems aren't good enough to uphold the level of like, like order that I want to have. And so, I mean, the only solution that I've gotten to that helps is just to basically have no stuff. Like I try mm -hmm. to be really minimalist, but what else can I do? Give me the tips here. <laughs> Yeah. Well, one thing that I would want to explore with you is to, to ask yourself, why is it a problem for you that you're experiencing this dichotomy? Because sometimes when we learn about things, especially from people who we perceive as experts, like, oh, well, she said, like, I should be like this, or I should be like this. And when we find ourselves experiencing both, then part of our brain's like, oh, no, there might be something wrong with me. Like, I'm doing it wrong. Maybe mm -hmm. I don't like, I'm not doing it the right way. But maybe mm -hmm. it's possible that mm -hmm you're doing it perfectly. And it's if it's working for your family, then it's working for your family. Um, either way, like you can make changes and try to optimize things and change, or you can keep it exactly the same way. But the first step is always asking yourself sort of your motivation behind why you want to look into this further and why it's a problem for you. Okay. So you're kind of saying you have these brilliant three tips that, that people can work through. But one of them, the third one is is the belief in our mind that there's something wrong with us or we're doing it wrong. Is that kind of the, the 
the bullet you're hitting with that one where if I were to say this work, like if I were to mentally reframe, this actually works perfectly for my family. So I, I should take away the judgment from how I'm, I'm systemizing or whatever you want to say, our household. Is that kind of your idea with it? Yeah. I feel like for most moms, like the subtitle of our life could be, I'm probably doing it wrong. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's just sort of the filter through which we see everything, right? Like parenting, probably doing that wrong. Like breastfeeding, bottle feeding, probably doing it wrong. Sleep training, I'm probably doing it wrong. And like in some way, this modern age is such a gift because we do have such access to information and experts and advice. But in other ways, like it feels very smothering because it kind of gets us disconnected from our own wisdom and our own intuition. Um, So just to realize that like that thought of like, I'm probably doing it wrong. It's so common. It's so, so Mm -hmm. common. And it's also like part of our brain's function is just to be scanning the environment constantly for danger, right? Like hundreds of years ago, we were scanning for lions. Nowadays, we're scanning for, is my tribe, is my group going to reject me? Like, is my family going to reject me? Am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? Is there something wrong with me? Is there something about my experience that's less than? Like, do I deserve to have a different experience in some way? So that's just total normal human brain programming. So just to realize that like there's nothing gone wrong with you if you think that way, but also we can direct our brains. And so if we find ourselves over overly focused on a specific aspect of our life, maybe it's the amount of things we have in our house. Maybe it's the way our systems are or are not working. And we keep hearing that phrase, I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing it wrong. Just to realize like, oh, okay, that's just programming in my brain. It's like the software that's in our brain. And Maybe it's been helpful in the past, but in this situation, it doesn't really seem to be serving me. So I'm just going to like slowly redirect it and let's focus on solving a different problem. Like maybe the problem could be what amazing trip do I want to take with my family next month? Even if it's just like down the street, like what activity do I want to create with them? What experience do I want to have? Because if we let it, our brain will just find whatever problem it wants to hyper-focus on. But once we have an awareness of it, we can take our brain's incredible problem-solving gifts and just direct it towards a specific problem that we wanted to solve. And my goal is for that to not be our stuff. Eventually, like that's the end goal, right? Initially, we do spend a lot of time focusing on systems and things and what's the right fit. But the end goal is for you not even to think about that anymore because you're so busy planning and what's the word? You're so busy directing your brain problem solving for way more relevant and important problems in your life. Because when we ask ourselves, like the intention behind our lives with our people, it's never like, oh, I really want to just constantly be cleaning and organizing right. and things and and returning stuff and, and like yep. no one wants that to be their life. So I love that reframe and also what you said about technology slash the time we live, information and just consumer culture. Mm-hmm. all those things like I think that generations past lived a more naturally present life and they didn't need things like meditation apps and like silent retreats because their lives were more meditative in nature and more contemplative they had time they had way more time than we and that's been one thing that I've focused on trying to recreate in any way I can for our family. It's like, can we take it back almost like 
50 years as far as the speed at which we we do things, the, the stuff that we consume, all of those things. So if someone's listening and, and they're like, wait, that sounds good. I want to have way more time with my family and I don't want to be overwhelmed by my stuff anymore. Why don't you go through your first and second tips? We kind of hit on number three, but maybe just give us the rundown so we have them like in a concise place. Yeah, sure. Um, I actually have a fun anecdote that kind of throws back to the idea of living back like 50 years in the past mm-hmm. that I could share. If you're- I would love it. Yes, okay. Love it. So ever since moving to New Zealand, it's very similar to American culture, right? Like we have the common UK ancestor there. But one thing that's different here is that one, the appliances are all very much smaller, like fridges are smaller, washing machines are smaller, and dryers are not really that popular, like clothing dryers. They have them here and we could buy one, but a lot of people don't have them. And when we first moved here, we purchased a washer, you know, secondhand from someone and the dryer that we had arranged to purchase fell through. And then we just kind of had a busy couple of weeks. And I realized that after a couple of weeks, we had gone two weeks without a clothes dryer and everyone has, you know, the clothes lines in their yard. We've just been using that. And I was like, oh, we've survived without one. I wonder how long we could keep going without it. And so it just sort of like a little challenge to myself, but actually it is like totally reframed the way that I do laundry and the way that I think about the purpose that our clothing serves in our lives. And it's just become like a very meditative experience because I can't just throw a load in whenever I want and just throw it in the dryer whenever I'm done. I have to plan it around like daylight and sunshine. And if it's raining outside, like I can't hang the clothes up. Right. So it's actually connected me back to like the natural world and back to nature because I have to be way more tuned into like what the weather is going to be. And I have to plan intentionally like, all right, the wash has to go in in the morning so that around lunchtime I can go hang it out. And it's become like this really beautiful ritual for me because it becomes like a natural break in my day. So in the morning, I throw the wash in, running the kids to school, come back. If it's a day when they're all in childcare, I do a little work. And then lunchtime, I go out and I hang all the clothes. And it's like this beautiful five to 10 minutes of just like standing in the sunshine and hearing the birds and going through each piece of clothing one at a time, right? I'm not just taking the whole wet wild and throwing it in the dryer like I used to. Like I have to individually like look at each piece and like I think about each child as I'm putting each piece on the line. And it's just like this really beautiful experience. And I feel like I'm connected to my grandmothers, like generations before who did this. And mm-hmm. initially, like I didn't feel like it was going to be that big of a difference for me. But it's something that I'm really like falling in love with. And I think that when we move back, like, I don't know if I want to go back to the old way. Like, I'll probably still get a dryer because especially on sick days, it's so much easier when you can just get this stuff clean and dry quickly. But yeah, I really resonate with that idea of wanting to go back in some ways because I think we are missing something. Yeah. And I love what you said about the ritual of it, right? Because a ritual is a routine with intention or like a little magic behind it. and I think we've come to a place where everything's so fast that it's lost that beauty, but that's kind of what life is, is like those little things. And if this sparks, like this specific part of the conversation is interesting to anyone. Um, there are some really cool books on slow living or like this, the slow home podcast, which I can link, or there's some really beautiful books that it's more and this, this is something that I'm su- super interested in. It's it's a step further than minimalism because in a lot of ways, minimalism 
can be a little bit of an aesthetic focus and like mm. your environment. And then also it in some ways can lose the, um, what you're talking about, the reusing things, the kind of like taking a step back and slowing down. Um, minimalism does provide that if you focus on it that way. But I love what you're saying where sometimes slowing down, like something that takes longer, even though in your mind you might say, well, that's harder. And that would, wouldn't that make my life harder? But you will you get the benefits in a different way of like a more peaceful life. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. That was really cool. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So the two points we kind of covered the, I call them like the three lies that we are unintentionally believing or unconsciously believing that are keeping us stuck in this cycle of chaos and clutter. And the number three point we kind of already touched on, which is this thought that there's something wrong with me because I can't figure this out. Um, but the other two are first, I don't have enough time or energy. That's one I hear a lot. And then number two is all of this clutter is making me overwhelmed. So that that first point, I don't have enough time or energy. Um, I kind of want to share a story to set the scene for this one. So I'll take you back to a night I had a few days ago. You can imagine this with me. It's 9 p.m. I just finally got all four kids in bed and my seven-year-old all the way down to my one-year-old. And it's so quiet. And current me just wants to go relax on the couch, scroll Instagram for an hour, and then go to bed. And current me would love to just ignore the dishes that are still on the counter and the food crumbs that are on the floor. But I know that tomorrow morning me is going to be so grateful to past me for cleaning up the kitchen. Because future me loves walking through a dining room in the morning without just stepping on the crusty food from last night. And future tomorrow morning me is going to be so grateful to past me for just putting in 15 minutes to clear off the counters so that my morning routine is, is smoother. And reframe me in this way, the action stays the same, right? Like I'm still putting in the extra 15 minutes of work, but I'm not doing it because it's what I should be doing or it's what my husband expects me to do or it's what my kids are expecting because both of those reasons just kind of feel awful and they create resentment for us, right? But I do it instead for me as a gift to my future self, a way to say like, hey, I see you. Your mornings are kind of tough. Let me make them a little bit easier for you. Then we can sit down and relax and you'll be fine. So just know that current you is never going to want to do the uncomfortable thing, right? We always opt for what's more convenient, just the way our brains are wired, trying to save energy for us. But future you is always going to be glad and grateful for the work that current you is putting in. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think that reframe and thinking is also a powerful way to communicate with a partner who maybe isn't as supportive of you in those ways that mm -hmm. using the reframes, you know, if, if this is something we can choose together, then it's not something we have to do, or, you know, this will be a gift to ourselves tomorrow. Or honestly, if you have a spouse that's gone in the morning, like this is a, a gift you could give me like how sweet is that if you were to so that's i i love your reframes we'll make sure and share those in the in the show notes for that one that was really good and yeah. so number two is about the clutter yes the overwhelm of the clutter yeah so this this thought that all this clutter is making me overwhelmed and here's something that you might feel a little resistance to initially but hear me out i'm going to try to explain it 
with an example. So here's the secret. Overwhelm doesn't come from your clutter. It's coming from what you are making the clutter mean. So I'll prove it to you. I hear women all the time say that they're more stressed and they're more overwhelmed when they're in a cluttered space. And I started to think like, is that true of all brains? Like are all brains wired to be overwhelmed with lots of things in our environment? Or have we just been conditioned, especially as women, to be stressed out by clutter in our house? Because we have this expectation of what it should look like, right? And I was coaching a client on this once, and she was telling me around how around dinner time it really stresses her out when stuff's on the counter. She had thoughts like, I should be on top of this by now. I should have the housekeeping skills in place by now. I should be better at getting my kids to help out. I'm not a good mom, like this total spiral. And I showed her that on paper, her scenario was actually pretty boring, right? Like it's literally just pieces of plastic and silverware and food scraps on a slab of quartz in her kitchen. It's nothing inherently good or bad about it. It's just a counter with things on it. Now contrast that cluttered kitchen counter with another commonly cluttered space, a garage workbench. If you walk into any garage workbench and look at a guy's workbench, you'll probably see not a single square inch that isn't covered, right? There's going to be screwdrivers and scrap wood and random screws and like 17 pairs of sunglasses for some reason. And it's the same amount of items, if not more than our kitchen counter. But when they walk in there, their thought is like, ah, it's my happy place. I'm in my zone. I'm creative and peaceful and calm. Totally different thoughts and feelings. So does clutter inevitably create overwhelm for every brain? Maybe not. Maybe it's possible to retrain your brain to see clutter in a different way. And it is different, of course, because like a house, I mean, a kitchen counter is like has to be used many times a day. It's crucial to getting meals out different than we're at bench. I understand that for sure. But just sharing this analogy kind of helps you realize that like, oh, I don't have to make this stuff on the counter mean that I'm a terrible person or that I'm a failure. I could just not make it mean anything about me. I could make it mean that like, oh, look, this is why we invented kitchen counters. It's to hold things, right? Like the counter is actually functioning exactly how I want it to. Nothing's gone wrong. Nothing's gone wrong here. Yeah, that's, it's the story. It's the story behind. And every, I feel like every situation in our lives, when we get down to the story we're telling ourselves about the situation, it always brings so much clarity. And it actually makes me think about a few um, people, women and men that I've had in my life that are very comfortable and at peace in their home environments. And they are not telling themselves that story. Because, you know, I've gone into their home at all levels of chaos and cleanliness. And for me, it's magical because they're so welcoming, willing to get me something to eat, happy and joyous, and never once like, you know, oh my gosh, it's so messy. I'm so sorry. You're like, excuse it. Though they're not carrying that story. Their story is exactly what you're saying. My kitchen is the heart of my home where I get to feed people. And that means it, it gets messy. And then we clean it. But so what? Like, it's not a big to do. And I, so yeah, I think if we can retrain our brain in that way, man, how much less stress will we be in our own homes? (laughs) Yeah. And one thing I found too is like, it's really hard to take care of something that we just hate, that we just keep nitpicking and, and critiquing. And like, we, we're kind of in this constant state of rejecting our homes, right? Like our pantry's too small. The laundry room's in the wrong place. I hate my cabinets. Like 
of course we don't want to take care of our homes because we're in this place of constantly nagging it like this inanimate object. We're like, you're not good enough. Your counters are wrong. Like the way that your cabinet sizes are wrong. So a lot of times when I, when I suggest this to people that like nothing's gone wrong, it's okay for the counters to have stuff on them. Then they're like, oh, well, if I do that, if I accept that, then I would just never clean. And I'm like, no, it's the opposite. Because once you just accept that your home is perfectly serving you the way it is now, it doesn't need to be changed at all. Once you can get to that place of acceptance, then suddenly you want to take care of it because you're just so grateful for what it's providing for your family. And then you end up having the clean clowners, but not because you need them in order to feel good about yourself. The feeling good about yourself comes first, and then you're able to look outward and take care of your space. Mm. So when you, when you're coaching someone, you start internally, mentally with the stories, and then do you move into the decluttering and then into systems and scheduling that can uphold that? Is that kind of your process? Yeah. Yeah. More or less. So actually our very first thing we talk about is what, what do you want it to look like? Like what's your dream life? A lot of us actually haven't thought that far, right? We just know that we want what it is not right now, right? Like we don't want this, but many of us haven't really thought of like, okay, well, what do I want? Like what activities do I want to free myself up for? I mean, all of us want more time, all of us want more space, but it's really helpful to know what you're going to use that time and space for before you begin. Um, Because I experienced this myself, right? Like I did a really dramatic, really dramatic. I did a really drastic, really dramatic change, right? Like I went from owning a, I mean, we didn't own the home. We were renting a two-story home and we got down to 10 suitcases. So like, I'm not saying everyone has to do that. But I realized when we got here, first week, I unpack everything. We get the furniture we need, like beds and couches and tables. And the first day we were sort of like living as, you know, back to normal life. I still had this itch, right? Like I I need to go declutter something. I need to go organize something. And there was nothing for me to declutter or organize because I had literally gotten down to the bare bones. So I, that's why I start with knowing what do you want to be working towards? Because you're going to get there eventually. It feels like it's never going to happen. But one day you're going to wake up and there's going to be nothing left to organize. There's going to be nothing left to declutter. And you're just going to be left with your own brain. And if you haven't thought ahead of time about how you plan to use that time, it can be like kind of an uncomfortable experience. So that's mm-hmm. where we start is knowing what we're working towards. And then we go into, okay, what are the underlying stories that we have here? What are you making your house mean about you? And a lot of times it connects back to like, experiences we've had as a kid or experiences we've had as a parent that where we take on this extra meaning. And so I help you kind of separate all those things. And then we look into, okay, what systems are going to best serve this life that you want to create? Um, and then we work from there. So it's, it's very customized and unique to every person, depending on where they want to go and where they're starting from. I love that. And so with the intention and what you want your life to look like it is you know both of we kind of did a similar process to you about the same amount of stuff it sounds like that we moved across country and it was really interesting because i had the same experience where we moved into this way smaller home i mean by like a fourth or a fifth and we had one percent of our things that we brought with us and And I feel like I was a pretty, you know, normal to more minimal person. And we, we were able to pair, it just makes you realize how much stuff you really don't need. Anyways, Mm -hmm. but then I had the exact same experience where I realized through 
you know, working through it in my mind, oh, it wasn't really the cleaning and the organizing and all of that 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 I wanted when I asked myself those questions because I got to the same place where it's like, wait, I'm still, why am I still kind of feeling that energy of I need to organize or do or clean? And I realized it's, there's something to our spaces that give our lives life. And I was wanting to create, like through those acts, I thought, oh, I'm like creating our life almost. Like I'm, I'm creating beauty and experience. And that was in my mind. I was doing that, manifesting that through constantly organizing and cleaning our spaces. But mm-hmm. when you get to the root of it and ask that question, it's like, oh, there's way better ways to do that. Maybe it's riding bikes with the kids or gardening or painting, like whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's just that is important to realize what you want, because if you never question it, it's just like the hamster wheel, the treadmill, just doing the same things over and over. And like, don't get me wrong. I love watching, like, especially on YouTube, families like building their dream home and they're like choosing out the paint colors and the cabinets and like they design this perfect home, right? I love watching those. But at the same time, like, what would it be like if your home and your things were the most boring part about your life? Like, what would that be like? What would you fill it with instead? And I guarantee that what you would fill it with would be a hundred times more impactful and more fulfilling than your things. And like, again, like I love a good aesthetic. I love a good, I'm currently in a home that has a different wall color in every single room. We've got a purple room and a red room and a green room and a blue room. And like my minimalist white wall loving brain just had to like sink into it. Um, but I realized like, it really isn't about the walls. Like it isn't about the paint colors. It isn't about like having the perfect amount of toys or furniture or things. Like if I could make my house and my items and my belongings, the most boring part of my life, what would my life be like? Mm. And it's kind of a fun thing to think about. I love that. That is a really cool question. All right, guys, I think we're going to come full circle here, but we'll have to have We'll have to have Leslie back. I would love to pick your brain about um, scheduling and systems on a future episode, but thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to leave with our audience today? We feel like we covered Um, Yeah. Let me just recap those three beliefs one more time so you can have them fresh on your mind and think about them. And then those three things you can believe instead. So every time you catch yourself thinking these thoughts, this is what you can direct them to. So that first one is I don't have the time or energy. And you can just gently nudge your mind in a new direction with the thought of, I get to choose how I spend my time and energy. And then that second belief was all this clutter is making me overwhelmed and instead push it towards overwhelm doesn't come from the clutter. It's coming from what I'm making it mean. And I can choose to make it mean whatever I want. And then that last one, number three is there's something wrong with me because I can't figure this out. And instead I'd offer to you that I'm a human and I just haven't figured this out yet, but Mm it's totally capable of doing it. I love that. Thank you for recapping that. And I actually wanted to ask you a question to finish off here that we used to ask all of our interviews, but we haven't in a while, but I'm just curious about this question. You being working, you work from home and so does your husband? Um, My husband, he has a place he goes to to work, but he has the option to work from home occasionally. Okay. So in that family dynamic, I want to hear just a snip of what your 
morning routine, and I'm not saying you need to have some elaborate morning routine, just what does your morning look like most mornings? Yeah. So two days a week, I have all four kids taken care of, whether that's school or childcare. And so on those days, I'll wake up with the kids. I would love to be the person who gets up before my kids. I'm not quite there yet, but someday. So I just wake up with my kids. Um, on my best days, we have the lunches prepped the night before. So I'm just getting them all fed breakfast and we get all the bags together and packed, which I didn't think would be such a big change between two kids and four kids, but oh my gosh, it absolutely is. <laughs> getting yeah. all this stuff together for four kids. So we get everyone um, put together in the car and then I drop them off at school. We live pretty close. So it's just like a quick 10 minute round trip drive. Um, and then I come home and I will work. I work best in the mornings. And so I get a lot of my work done between about 9.30 and noon. And then lunchtime, I do have that laundry ritual that I mentioned earlier. Well, I'll go out, I'll take a break, just kind of decompress from the intense work that I've just been doing. I'll have lunch, which I also have to schedule in or else I'll just totally miss it. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that's kind of what my morning looks like when I'm working, when I'm not, or when I'm not working, when I do have some of my kids at home. Um, I find that if I don't get out first thing in the morning, I will not get out at all. I'm sort of a homebody. I love to be home. Um, but I've been gifted with two very energetic children who do not thrive staying at home all day. So for their sakes, I have to get out first thing. So after I drop off the big kids, then we'll just drive straight from drop off to the park or to the library or something. And we just try to stay out as long as we possibly can before lunches and naps. Mm, I love it. I just love hearing how people schedule their days. All right, Leslie. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for helping us find the magic and hopefully we'll have you back soon. Thank you. I'd love to be back. Bye. <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> Brown cows. <laughs>